Hello guys, welcome back to another episode of Workshopping Humanity. Just wanted to give a heads up before this episode starts that the game is a little too loud on my side. Here's what happened, here's what happened. I was listening back on other episodes of the podcast and of Flailing Kermit that we just started and I realized that I sounded way too soft with my mic. So I tried raising the gain a little bit and I didn't realize how much I'd raised it in the StreamYard stream until after we recorded. And listening back to it, it definitely peaks quite a bit. Not enough to where it's unlistenable, but I just want to give you guys a heads up that when this episode starts, it's definitely it's definitely a lot. <laughs> That's all I'll say. But hope you guys enjoy the episode. You know, a big theme of Meet the Robinsons is failure and how you need to accept failure and learn from it. So this will just be me reciprocating that fact before the start of the episode me trying to figure out audio and video and all of that is a series of trial and failure and trial and success and so yeah there you go this is just another key component of that so hope you guys listen to the episode hope you guys enjoy the episode and here we go on to the next workshopping humanity welcome to workshopping humanity episode i think 22 episode 21 interesting story um was all recorded in my dorm room in florida and now i'm back in missouri so there you go it's been probably about a month since i've done one of these and today we have on a special guest we have kevin say hello, hello. kevin hello that's me hey and we are talking about meet the robinsons which is an underrated little disney gym i think um i rewatched this it's probably been like over five years if even longer than that since i'd last watched meet the robinson so i needed a refresher actually i watched it with my parents last night because they're like we haven't watched that in literally 15 years <laughs> i was like yeah it's time it's time that we watch this again and we all were like yeah that was cute and so <laughs> today kevin i just want first memories of meet the robinsons and kind of why you chose it for your topic for this podcast um when you said my first memories, that's, oh man, that's a long time ago. That's game of what, 2007. Uh, that's a long time ago. Um, probably the first memories of me watching it is actually, I never probably watched it in the theaters. I was too young to probably watch it, understand what was going on in the theaters. I watched it probably on DVD. That would be guessing it came out and I would just, one of those Disney like um, DVDs that would have like the fast play in it. And I would like... <laughs> remember that vividly yeah uh, disney so, fast play pretty much yeah the new watch movie, but like, single, i just yeah. remember watching it and there's something about just the whole entire aesthetic of the movie mixed with um its elements of like a family as well as the how colorful it is with how mixed of um each character is so vibrant and different in their personality and I always thought it deserved more than it ever came out to be. And whenever people would talk about their favorite Disney movies, this would never be ever anybody would talk about it because it's such a niche Disney film. I'm sure it was kind of like a treasure planet moment where it was like it came out and then didn't do as big as other films, maybe because of the timing or whatever. But it it's it's definitely like my favorite movie to ever come out because i don't know i just have good memories with the music the the themes of family as well as just the general dynamic um character design and 
everyone played their part really well, I think. And also, I like Goob. Like, yeah, a lot. Like Goob. I like Goob. <laughs> the poor kid, you know, rewatching it, I was like, Goob didn't deserve this. Like, <laughs> one of my favorite scenes is as because i relate to it is when people would say like he said like they hated me he's like do you want to come to my house they hated me (laughs) (laughs) like i think i did the same thing where everyone was super nice to me but i thought everybody hated me (laughs) (laughs) hated me that's one of my favorite quotes about it it's it's really funny um also favorite part was the one where tom Selleck is in it i like that part yeah um i mean yeah because i mean we're gonna spoil everything about this movie oh pretty much down to the yeah because we have it's it's from 2007 if you haven't watched it yet i don't know it's been a long time it's been like like how many years now 15 years 15 yeah i was about to say if uh if you haven't watched it yet like stop watching frank and weenie (laughs) (laughs) frank and weenie oh no get get out of here with your um pinocchio get out of here pinocchio I don't know why I said Frank and Winnie. Frank and Winnie is like actually good. No, stop watching Pinocchio. <laughs> and um, watch, go meet the watching Frank and Winnie, and then you can go watch Meet the Robinsons. Yeah, both underappreciated um, Disney movies. So my first experience—I don't know why I phrase it as experience. My first experience with Meet the Robinsons was in 2007. I saw it in theaters. I was probably around nine. I. I don't know like exactly how I felt about it other than being a kid and it was a movie. So I enjoyed it. You know, like I saw chicken little in theaters too and enjoyed that when it was out. That's chicken. <laughs> <And> it's bad. <laughs> and it's really bad. <laughs> so, I mean, I feel like that's what it was for me, you know, cause like that was the same um, summer that Ratatouille came out. If 2007, you know, good, yep. good year for Disney. Good, good year Disney for Disney. Year. And but even like you know Ratatouille is my favorite movie now. At the time I watched it, I was like, oh, it's another movie with a talking rat. Like you didn't even process until years later. Right. But after that, Meet the Robinsons has always been kind of at the back of my mind as like I think one that I appreciated as underrated because it came out in the era of like the Treasure Planet, Atlantis, yeah. Chicken Little, Bolt. Meet yeah. the Robinsons era Disney, which was like their low point as a company, like just in any way you look at it. Mm-hmm. And I would say that like the rest of those movies aren't good, <laughs> and this one is. And so, and I think it does even have some of the same structural issues, but this one has, I think, a little bit more poignancy behind it. There's like a reason this movie was made, which I think we'll um, get into, but. Yeah, and again, rewatching it last night, I there's there's a certain touch and feel to this movie that does not exist within the Disney canon anymore, and I think that makes it really refreshing. I think it is it is directly Walt Disney, you know, it even ends on a quote from him, which I think mm-hmm. is a really cool aspect of the film. So, mm-hmm. Kevin, what is something from this movie that has resonated with you? A character, a scene, a line, anything? That ending, <laughs> the whole ending as a whole. Yeah. It's kind of like that. I mean, everyone can agree that it kind of hit that same aspect of the first couple minutes of up hit everybody very significantly at the end. I hear everyone remember everyone talks about how good the movie's end is. Um, There are some bits and pieces of the start of the movie that 
or like it's it's okay but then it gets you really start to get into it once it gets into the end and it opens up that sense of opportunity and growth and knowing that um seeing like the the really full lab that he had um in the future and then going back and seeing that whole room empty and how much time and adventure there would be to be able to create those things and realizing that time does move and to enjoy the time that you have and use it um, because it'll eventually be up. Mm. Uh, I, I think it's a mix of that mixed with family values because I think it's kind of has that idea of no matter who you are, you do really deserve a loving family, no matter what background you come from orphan, anybody, um, a loving family can really do a lot for a lot of people. And there's a lot of, um, individuals out there who don't have a loving family out there and it's really hard on them and that can change them. And just, it, it really shows how much, you know, power that can be, and, you know, as Walt Disney being a really big family, man, obviously um it's very walt disney yeah for that family values um that he loves so much yeah and i even like i think structurally the movie kind of feels like wizard of oz yeah towards the very beginning of the film you're introduced to all these characters who you learn towards the end are his new family you know like the the caffeine packs that they showed in every disney um channel preview (laughs) yep There were parts that I could quote because I was like, oh, they played this on Disney Channel all the time, like this, mm-hmm. like bit, because they were promoting the movie like crazy, obviously, yeah. before it came out. Like, I have the big head and little arms, all of that. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, that, that unlocks a core memory. Yeah. Anyways, um, but yeah, I think, I think you're correct on the fact that the ending is really what makes people connected to this movie. I think the first two thirds of it are, are good are fun, mm-hmm. but are like a complete like tonal mess when it comes to like, they are rushing, they are running through this movie. It's a movie where things just kind of happen for the mm-hmm. sake of them happening. And yet I also really appreciate the audacity of how strangely bizarre this movie is and how sh- weird this pitch is. It, I mean, I think it's similar to what Zootopia is now. I think that's also a weird pitch of a movie, but I can see how you can sell that movie. This is yeah. a weird movie to sell, like to be like, mm-hmm. okay, there's a scene where there's like singing frogs and they're playing jazz music. And then yeah. an octopus attacks a dinosaur at one point and a yeah. kid steals the past version of his dad. <laughs> the yeah. time machine stolen by a guy with a bowler hat. Like, yeah. it feels like a, okay, we'll pass on that movie. <laughs> But yeah. the fact that they actually like went for it is, I think, incredibly ambitious yep. and cool. I think its biggest issue as a movie is not even its fault, is the, the lacking of animation. It definitely yeah. is dated in that regard, especially really to is. what Rat- Ratatouille looks like that came out oh, the yeah. same year. But again, it's Disney still experimenting with early CGI because they hadn't done that yet. So Pixar still solidified it, so they're... They, they, I feel like they're they're experimenting with it. Like Pixar experimented with their earlier films, like Toy Story, because like I would say Toy Story and the uh, Meet the Robinsons have that same dated look. Yeah, yeah. The thing about I think Chicken Little and Meet the Robinsons both had a certain yeah. style of CGI that mm-hmm. Disney was testing, and then because Disney wanted to separate from Pixar. 
right. and then they end up buying Pixar instead, and then they end up using Pixar's computers at that point. Because like, if you see the jump between Meet the Robinsons and Bolt, like Bolt looks significantly better than this movie. Yeah. That being said, Bolt's not very good either. So, <laughs> <laughs> like as a movie, hmm. it's not, I I I I like I vastly prefer this movie to Bolt. <laughs> There's a. Uh... Another big part that resonates with me is also the villain being Goob. I mean, back when I was younger, it was a big, big reveal because I was that was younger. I didn't really think yeah. ahead, but now watching it, it's really easy to see who he is. It's really, you can get it from the get go. Who the Bowler Hat guy is. Um, I see very like signs and whatever about looking at it. I'm like, yeah, that's totally Goob. <laughs> um, but back when I was a kid, that was a big plot twist. <laughs> I was like, that was Goob. Yeah. Full time. And I like it because he's not a villain. <laughs> In no way is Goob a villain. It's it's the boulder hat. Or not the, it's the hat. Um, Doris, right? Doris, yeah. yeah. Doris is the one doing it. He's just gullible. He just has feelings he doesn't know how to control. And he wants to get back at what really ruined his life. Hmm. But yeah. Oh, sorry. Just you know, his idea of getting back at them was to throw toilet paper and throw eggs at their house, but Doris had a bigger plan. He was just going with it. He didn't understand the severity of the situation. Yeah, and I, it's a compelling villain. It's one of I think it's one of the better Disney villains. To be completely honest, I I love the Bowler Hat. Like even the design of that character mm-hmm. is the coolest designed character of the movie. He has a Doofenshmirtz type of beat. He does have a Doofenshmirtz type beat. Yeah. I and they're both, you know, Phineas and Furb also came out in 2007. So I'm yep. sure that was a big comparison that happened at the time. But I think the interesting thing about that character is he might be the most sympathetic Disney villain. Because in the beginning of that movie, I don't know, like I, me watching it again last night, I was like, I, I would be pissed if I was Goob. <laughs> And yeah, I, I would be too. all the time. Like that, th- th- like I get that anger and that frustration of that character. Like, and I feel like Lewis has to learn in that moment to not be as self-absorbed as well, because his entire motive at the beginning, I understand he wants a family, but everything's about I need to go do this, I need to do this, I need to do this, you know. And that is having him forget the people around him. So I really think him connecting with goob towards the end is also him figuring out that he has to think about other people too just look kind of outside of zone which i also think leads into you know him meeting the girl with all the frogs who ends up being yep. his wife someday because he actually looks up from his invention and i yep. you know there's like cute like i think there's a lot of really good um use of Chekhov's gun here they really do set off a lot of stuff here and then actually pay it off in really satisfying ways yep. like how he made met his um foster parents yeah through the machine that he used and it showed their wedding i thought that was a good way to to show that as well as um there's a lot of moments where like that's cool um trying to think of any more things i also sorry were you gonna get oh no go for it i was i also want to relate back to what the original source material was with a day with wilbur robert robinson which is the book that it's based off of um i read it and it's very has that very strange feel to it all of the characters they um they're all based off this book interesting 
Um, if you go look it up, you can go at it. They still have Lefty, the, the octopus butler. They still have it in this book. It's this children's book that it's the same exact story, um, plot summary. You can just read it off Wikipedia here. A Day with Will Robinson follows the story of a boy who visits an unusual family and their home. While spending the day in the Robinson household, Wilbur's best friend joins in the search for Grandfather Robinson, missing's, missing's false teeth, and meets one wacky relative after another. That's the idea of it. And they added the um, the orphan part of it and meeting his dad in the time machine. That's what kind of they added to it. But the main idea of the book was that it was um, a go- uh, it was like a futuristic setting where this guy this kid went over to his wacky friend's house and met all his wacky relatives. <laughs> That's pretty much all it really was. Oh, interesting. They, they added a whole bunch to it. So all these characters, um, Aunt Billy is the Wilbur's aunt with a life-size train set. Cousin Pete is a Wilbur cousin with tigers as pets. These are people that we haven't met before. Uncle Gaston hmm. is Wilbur's uncle with a cannon. They all are still there. There's even characters here that we've never seen. Um, but they're still the same characters. So it kind of like it wasn't a wacky idea. They had an idea of what the movie they were making off of. So when they were pitching it, they were pitching it probably as a movie adaptation of this book. Yeah. So it wasn't as random as um, people made it out to be. But they made it their own thing. They just didn't copy a book. They mm-hmm. made it completely their own thing. And so well, it was. It's similar to what they did with Despicable Me because it's a yeah. Despicable Me based off of a children's book too. Which yeah. that also the illumination vibes off of this movie are insane i i kind of like watching it i was like no they totally took blueprints from this for despicable yeah. me i think some of its character animation and humor for sure i think you can see the parallels between that which i thought was interesting because yep. i don't i think maybe a reason this gets forgotten in disney can in the disney canon is outside of its themes the movie itself feels kind of different from the disney yeah. formula in a lot of ways it feels more independently spirited, which I think is a cool thing. I, I appreciate that a lot about the movie. Um, So I think a really fun and important scene in the movie is the one where the uncle is pointing his toast PB&J or else he's going to explode or something, yeah. which is a really funny bit. But then he doesn't succeed on his invention, you know, and they're all like celebrate because he failed and that's yeah. the only way to succeed. That's so cute. It I love cute. that. It is so wholesome, and it is. I again, I love. It's the idea of Walt Disney and invention. Mm-hmm. It reminds me a lot of what Epcot's all about, which is like, mm-hmm. you know, this obviously movie has big Epcot vibe. What this this movie has very Epcot vibe. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Epcot Tomorrowland vibe. Mm-hmm. Well, as Today Land. Today Land, which I that's a cute bit. I too. love that. Yeah. yeah. You know, and the central thesis of the movie is like keep moving forward, right? Mm-hmm. Which I think is certainly a big thing, and like Meet the Robinsons, but also the entire Disney legacy is keep moving forward, keep dreaming, keep imagining. But I think for like any artist, um, that sense of burnout and like, oh, I've continued to fail and fail at this and want to give up, is it, it's hard to see every failure as a success. So I I don't know it's it's a it's a nice reminder that like you're still learning things and you're figuring it out at least you're trying it you know yep which is great and you know that's def even though there is some logistical things I wonder about in this movie where it's like so he he remembers all of this adventure right that's what I was that's what I was talking to uh, my girlfriend about <laughs> I was like she she had this weird point about it but I was like okay so if he knows. 
if he'd done this before, wouldn't the adult know, adult version know that he stole the time machine and he's going to come? Right? Right. Wouldn't he know that? If he already did it when he was a kid, wouldn't he know that he's going to come? And why would he? He would just assume that it was going to happen. So why does he seem so surprised that he's there, you know? So I, I thought about that last night when I was watching it. <laughs> yeah. I have a few theories, okay? We'll have a few theories. Number one... He's not as shocked as you would think. There is an aspect of me that thinks he knew all along he was going to be there. and He played it up for the family. Got it. He was like, oh, he's there, you know, because like he's not like, oh, man, it's me. You know, he's right. like, oh, he's here. And, you know, right. and they kind of point at him and he it's almost like he knows. He's like, OK, yeah, yeah, of course. And then he sets him up there. He, It's almost like he has a speech prepared, which is weird because, right. you know, he's a kid. So it's just the ever ending cycle of him. <laughs> Right, they telling the kid version of himself that it's going to work out, which is also bizarre, because then he knows to date um, the girl with the frogs because they're going to become husband and wife yeah. one day, and then he knows, like he just knows certain things that I feel like would ruin the trajectory of that family forming. You can't think about it too hard. Mm-hmm. Because I feel, I still feel, but like, also he does say that in 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 the whenever they're looking around at the inventions, which is my other theory. Because he asks, like, well, "Will this be mine someday?" And he's like, "This isn't set in stone yet. It depends right. on what you do now. Now that you know this, right?" Right. And so there's a part of me that also is like, "This future has already been written without this, and he has come in, and uh, and now the future will be different." since he's here you know what i mean so i also feel like that could be an angle is like this has been a future written where you know like the the sun has efficiently affected the future because even like the robot was like hey can you like make me more muscular one day right (laughs) towards the end like the robot character frank is that his name with who you know is this is the robot's name frank that robot yeah Something like that. Uh, I have the wiki. Um, I can't find him. He should be here. Oh, uh, well, it's... Yeah, I know who you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because he also is like, hey, can you make me muscular in the future, you know? Yeah. Like that little, that little bit. Mm-hmm. And... I don't like. I don't know if the future he comes to is exactly the same as the future that he saw. It's he saw pretty it. close. It's pretty close for sure. Yeah. But I don't know. You know. <laughs> Another big one would be the one of the scenes that was impactful. There's two scenes that I thought was too was very impactful. Um, one of them was that he got the chance to see his mom and didn't take it. Yeah. And then the other one was his Goob's journal having the question marks in it, and we never see him. There wasn't any closure with him. Yeah, that's right. Well, he just has check marks and he's, or not check marks, he just has question marks of his to do list. And he just is, because he's offered to join the family and he doesn't take it. And he doesn't know what he is going to do now. And it's kind of left at that. It's, yeah. Which, I mean, Lewis ends up having him catch the ball. So hopefully that means it's yeah. a better future for Goo, but they never explain if it. They never explain if it did or anything. Yeah. So. Yeah, that is kind of a, a sad moment, is the journal. 
And I love how, and I really do love how much the movie has sympathy for Bowler Hat Guy. They don't mm-hmm. just treat him like he's like a schlock character at the end or like, oh, he got his revenge, you know, because yeah. he was just duped because he was emotionally vulnerable, like yeah. you said before. But by, is it Dor- Dorrance or whatever? Doris. 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 Which is very much like a HAL 9000 type beat. Yes. 100%. Very which. Much. Yeah, I mean, I actually love that section of the movie too when it gets dark. Yeah, yeah, it's like it gets like the zombie people wear their hat. It's like I was like, oh my gosh. I mean, um, even my girlfriend said this is scary. <laughs> I was yeah. like, it's I bet it scared a lot of kids as a kid or as when they're kids because it's like it's a big change from a very colorful movie to like a dystopia <laughs> of like hat making people. <laughs> Imagine if oh. Of Josh Amaro was like, so our new section behind Think Thunder Mountain Railroad is the <laughs> scary section of me. I, I would be love that, dude. I, I literally said I was watching. I'm like, this gives me very good Matrix vibes. <laughs> like, as soon as you go outside yeah. the Matrix and it's all like the forget their names of the, the, the things. <laughs> so cheesy. <laughs> um, but those Speaking scenes... of which, Bowler Hat Guy is at Mickey's Not So Scary. I know. Right I saw him. I really want to go, but I, That's, I'm yeah. a whole country away. Oh my gosh. You're a whole country away. Pretty much. I mean, yeah, technically. <laughs> Complete opposite side. Goodness. Also, it's really funny. I'm looking through this cast layout. I just saw that Tom Selleck plays Cornelius. Yep. So that's the joke. <laughs> that's why they said Tom Selleck. Because mm-hmm. he plays him. Also, Adam West is in this movie. Yeah. He plays the superhero yeah, guy. Uncle Art. Um, yeah. Tom, uh, Tom Kenny. SpongeBob's in this movie. He plays the teacher, Mr. Lewis's teacher, Mr. Will- Willerstein. Uh, a lot of people in here. That, I, thought, I thought that was funny. Mm-hmm. Um, I also yeah. like the gym teacher. I think he's really funny. I like him. Yeah, he's great. Is is the gym teacher somebody? Isn't he Cornelius? No, not Cornelius. Apologies. That's not. Who? who? Isn't the gym teacher end up being Adam West's character? Or was that ever implied? Or am I just misremembering that already? I think they're just two bu- like buff guys. Oh, ma- ma- yeah, maybe there's no. That makes correlation. no sense. He'd be too old in the future. The gym teacher would be way too old. That's yeah, yeah, that's right. Never mind. Unless he ages like the dog from Carousel Progress. You're like, right. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> cash, cash of social security checks. God. Oh my gosh, dude, that's freaking hilarious. <laughs> It does have a Carousel Progress type beat as well. It does, it does, and I also like that. Um, it's because it's that. Fa- uh, um, <clears throat> well, excuse me, has that whole like, like, American Family, not insurance, American Family vibe. Like it has that whole entire ideal behind it. Um, very similar, <clears throat> but also, so have- sorry, what are you saying? Go, go for it. Also, just the character with uh, I forget the whole family tree, um. But the white, like the husband that's married to the puppet, yeah, and she's like, "Now you made her mad." She's like, "I'm going for a drive," and she just leaves. <laughs> Look what you did! He has his arm walks out. She gets in the car and leaves. <laughs> I don't know why I find that funny. <laughs> yeah. It's very oh, it's a Robbie Shapiro type beat. Robbie Shapiro. <laughs> <laughs> that's all oh, that reminded me of i was like this is robbie shapiro in the future he marries it's very a random and i think that's why i like it because my my sense of humor is random 
and every second you watch the movie especially the, in the scenes where like you're meeting all the different family members yeah it just feels very random and maybe that might be a bad for a film perspective but you just never know what's going to come up next and i think that's funny fake those that, cookies, lucille yeah that's the scene that always takes me off guard <laughs> Bake those cookies lucille yeah <laughs> that line and her dancing and then because whenever i watched it last night like my mom was like what well, what is happening in this movie right now? What that i think lucille's baking cookies oh that was the door it's just very uh random and i love that about it and mm-hmm. i think that's probably what they were trying to go for especially with the source material being random that was the point it's a wacky family yeah that's what they were trying to go for Oh, I, I love all of that aspect of it. I think they could have like built the dynamic of the family and the relationship a little bit more. It it, it feels a little rushed in that regard. Yeah. Just I feel like if we spent just a little bit more time with the characters, they have another bonding moment, then we'd be like, we'd really feel them. Cause like there is something that is devastating whenever they tell Lewis that they can't take him anymore, as yeah. you know, and that is like a very heart wrenching thing. But I'm like, you could have really played that. Like that could have been like an ouch feeling if we just had a little bit more time. Yeah. But then you know, it's also, I guess, if you watch that without knowing that Lewis is obviously the father, mm-hmm. that it hurts even more because <laughs> whenever you know yeah. Lewis is the father, like, oh, we get why yeah we can't do this right. And I don't know. I think the movie makes it obvious enough that he's the father throughout the whole thing. But for kids, it's not going to be that way. Yeah. I don't like that. That's a, that's a cool reveal. And I love the way that bowler hat guy introduces that. I love when he's like, you haven't figured this out yet like that. And I'm like, I love that. I love that. It's kind of a wink and nod of like, yeah, guys, we've set you guys up the whole movie. Like <laughs> yeah. why on earth would they be? Because They've set it up to where like he could break the time continuum, but like the movie's not really concerned with the time continuum. Or else it would have a lot more answers it would have to <laughs> wrap up. So we're like, there's something else going on to where why they can't just take Lewis, you know. So all of that's really cool. Again, I I think this movie is more more well written than people give it credit for. Mm-hmm especially compared to like the treasure planets and the Atlantises that really don't do much. Like, I think this movie does have a lot of things going for it in that regard. And the scene at the end where he doesn't look like you mentioned before, where he doesn't see who his mom is. Yeah. Is incredibly touching. I, 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 that's that section I think is, is probably the best scene in the movie. And it's, it's what I've wished that the rest of the movie would have done where it it takes a moment and it sits and it's a it's a reflective moment and it is it's a sacrifice yep. we've talked about with a lot of these disney movies they don't have a set of significant sacrifice, sacrifice. yeah and the sacrifice is this thing that he's wanted the whole movie he understands he doesn't need anymore because he figured out what his family is and he doesn't have to figure out what the mom is maybe, maybe she dropped them off because she couldn't financially afford to raise yeah. him and that's tragic and maybe she didn't want him you know and it, that doesn't matter because that's not what the story that's is about anymore about. which yeah. i think is really really touching yeah and then um there's a little bit of a time jump where it was like at the start of the movie you hear the slip that scares her away from the box and then that yeah. was himself because he went back in time and he slipped on the stair and ran back and the slip at the start of the movie is what made her walk away 
because she thought mm-hmm. someone was watching her. And so it was that little bit of a hint. I mean, not really a hint, but you watch it. Yeah, but I mean, it, that is interesting because like whenever you first watch that movie and there's a knock on the door and then she opens it up and the person's gone and there's a child that is kind of like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, how did she disappear? And you're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Yep. Very much like, oh, she vanished. Okay. She, vanished. she must have darted, you know? So apparently, I'm just reading over this. Um, this the soundtrack um, was also um, spearheaded by Danny Elfman, too. Oh, interesting. That's what. Um, but also, of course, is Rufus Wainwright. He did a couple songs. Uh, Rob Thomas, obviously. Oh, we um, got to talk about Rob Thomas. Thomas. Uh, uh, All American Rejects, so I think is really funny. Yeah. <laughs> and then Jonas Brothers, believe it or not. Um, Didn't they sing the end credit song? The end credit song was um, All American Rejects. Oh, is it? The Kids of the Future is Jonas Brothers, which was originally a song by Kim Wilde. But they yeah, I know Kids of the Future. Is that in Meet the Robinsons? It's part of the soundtrack. Weird. If you look at the whole soundtrack, it. it's it's part of it. It might be past the whole end credit scene, like extra extra credit scene. Yeah. I don't know. But all I know is that I'm looking on it, it says it's part of the um album. But yeah, the whole album was was produced by Danny Elfman. That's cool. We love Danny Elfman. His score is good. <laughs> it doesn't sound like him at all though, which it is It doesn't, a- which is that's why I was surprised to say it was Danny Elfman. My dad noogied that man. Um, <laughs> um, but it was yeah, Chicken Little was 2005, Bolt was 2008, Meet the Robinsons was 2007. Yeah, that middle bit. Um, but yeah, Little Wonders also is a great song. What also helps that ending hit is the song. Yeah, yep. definitely hits it. Um, well, um, always gonna remind me of our Dizzy College program. I think. Yeah. Um, that song. Yeah, yeah, because we listen to it a lot on the way back from drives. You know. Yeah, and so that's what I, that's what I mean me immediately made me connect to when I watched last night, and that kind of helped bring home the message of the movie as well. And I was like, oh, <laughs> oh um, it's like one of those movies that you go away from, and like it's, I don't cry about it anymore, but before I did, and it wasn't tears of sadness; it was tears of happiness. Like I was just, I was glad, and I'm still glad to have those memories that like that and i'm glad to still have a family that loves me and that a family that you know mm-hmm. that i'm able to live with as well as the family i made down when i worked for the cp and that whole family i mean i mean to be, and like the whole family that we made down there was our own robinson family of all of our quirks and yeah um and leaving that i did listen to little wonders a lot mm-hmm it's just a good going above like away song. Yeah, it, it's a good way. Like, there's something because there's something inherently nostalgic about it because it sounds like 2000s, yeah, um, soft rock radio. <laughs> it does. It, like, it's significantly better. The fray, you know, <laughs> right? Um, that's what it reminds me of. I, it is this kind of like nice little ballad, you know. I mm-hmm. uh, last night I watched a music video. This is mm-hmm. after that I watched the movie, and you know, I was looking through the YouTube comments, all these people that are like, "Oh, uh, the song like changed my life" or whatever, which you see on every single song. It can literally yeah. be "Teenage Dream" from Katy Perry. People are gonna be like, "This movie helped me live." But, um, <laughs> regardless, it's it's a touching song. I it really, really is. yeah. And 
did Rob Thomas do any other songs for this, or is that it? Let me see. That was literally his only song. <laughs> um, yeah, it was only Little Little Wonders, his only song. Rufus Wainwright, Another Believer. Um, I like that song, too. It's the song that he's playing when he's building his invention. Oh, cool. That's also a good song. Um, I like that was one, too. Is there ever a vinyl release for Meet the Robinsons? I'm very curious. Um, I'll look this up. <laughs> and most of the songs are just like background soundtracks made by Danny Elfman. Yeah, which I mean, can't go wrong with that. Yep. No, I don't think there's been any vinyl release of Meet the Robinsons, so it is. Oh, and guess what's in on, it? On in the soundtrack as well. There's what? a great big beautiful tomorrow. <laughs> That's also in the soundtrack. I'm guessing Where? it's a physical soundtrack. That's what this is. It's like a physical disc. Huh. And it's in it. I can. It's on the Wikipedia page. It's that's that's it's eighteen songs, and the two end ones are. There's a great big beautiful tomorrow made, produced by They Might Be Giants. Huh. And then Kids of the Future by Jonas Brothers. Do you think that um, these songs were in the movie, or is it like an inspired I don't think the, the movie? last two were? I think they're part of a CD disc. Okay. Um, it's just part of the soundtrack. But Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow being a part of its soundtrack i think is really telling to what the movie is trying to say yeah Mm -hmm. and that's i'm just looking at it um what was i gonna say what was your question oh they already answered it yeah no it was i was wondering they had a vinyl release ever of it oh don't they really haven't done much with it since it released they were had a from what here it had a canceled sequel interesting they plan to make a sequel to the film tel- uh, titled Meet the Robinsons 2 First Date. What? <laughs> That's what it was named. However, John Lasseter became Walt Disney Animation Studios' new chief creative officer. He called off all future sequels. Because Disney Toon Studios, I guess that's what it was called. Um, yeah. They planned, including the, sequels to, including the sequels to Chicken Little and the Aristocats. Well, Disney Toon Studios are like the the company that makes like Fox and the Hound two yeah. and like Cinderella three and stuff. So it's yeah. probably the best we didn't get that. Yeah, <laughs> because it probably would have been probably really bad. bad. Yeah, like here's the thing: I don't get how you would make a sequel to this at all. No, it wouldn't. It wouldn't be good. The ending of the movie is already spoiled. <laughs> pretty much that, and uh, I like where Goob's ending is. Hmm. I like that mysterious of like, we don't know where he's at. Yeah. Leaves it open-ended. Let your mind run. Um, I like my- I like mystery when it comes to my movies and my games or whatever. Is I- Whenever I do or play, I like mystery at the end of the... So it gives me something to like ponder and think. When I know everything, it just kind of defeats it. I don't know. Yeah, ambiguity is always a good thing when you can pull it off. Because, you know, it's unlike Encanto where it's all wrapped up at the very end. <laughs> Which makes no sense. It's, it's where they, before they started. Yeah, oh, exactly. Man. Well, like, because we had talked about this before yeah. when we talked. It's the idea that, like, these a lot of Disney movies now seem to have to wrap up in a certain way in order for more product to come out for mm-hmm. said property. So, Frozen 2. There's this really interesting creative angle you could have taken where Arendelle was destroyed and they had to build back up. But, you know, Arendelle, you know, not the Thor, the, the steel Thor Ragnarok thing, right. but, you know, Arendelle's about the people, not like the right. place. It's physical place. And that's totally where it's going thematically. 
and then Elsa comes in and then Ex Machina builds a <laughs> ice door or whatever and this saves the day, right? Yeah. And then what the weighty aspects of Frozen 2 are then diminished by that. You know, like on a sacrifice and her in the cave is is diminished by the fact that like, oh, everything's just gonna work out anyways, because we have to make a frozen three someday, right? Mm-hmm. But even you can make a frozen three and they start in a worse position than they were before. That's that's a compelling way to start it. So I don't get it. But then Encanto is infuriating. Oh, it is. I don't <laughs> like, I can't I don't like I don't like that movie. I'm completely honest. I don't like it. I I don't dislike it, but it completely contradicts what the movie's about. I was just, I was just disappointed by the whole entire movie. Everyone was talking up about. It. I didn't watch it like right as it came out, and everyone was like, "Oh my gosh, this is such a movie, a good movie." I watched it. I was like, "What did I gain? <laughs> What's the lesson that we you don't need you don't need to be superpower like to have supers to be a, like superpowers to be a cool person or to be yourself? You don't have to have superpowers to be yourself, right? Isn't that like the whole thing? But. But they have still had all of them. Even if that is, they all get their powers back. Yeah. Here's, so here's the idea. Obviously, it does because, like, <laughs> I don't know. Here's my side tangent on Encanto. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So Encanto starts off and goes on, and I think is a really cool movie about the idea that gifted kids are put into a vulnerable situation and they have more expectations put upon them. Therefore they are less happy. You know, there's this idea that the main character of Encanto, I really can't think of her name. Apologies. Mirabelle. Mirabelle. Yeah. Mirabelle is it doesn't have any special powers. Therefore she feels inferior to everybody. And yet there is this sort of, I would say jealousy from her siblings to the fact that she doesn't have to think of anyone else but herself because, you know, her sister that's strong is literally carrying the workload for the entire town. And the one that plants the flowers has to be the one that looks presentable and is, you know, and they're having to hold this, this house together from this, this patriarchy of this, of this older woman who is the villain in every regard, you know, it's, and it's about family trauma and this idea of these expectations and not being able to live as a kid because you have to like keep a certain look. Yeah. And that aspect of it is so cool. And the fact that like, I think there's a lot of compelling things about Bruno and the fact that they banish Bruno because Bruno tells them what's going to happen is so compelling to me. Cause it's like, Oh, the prophet literally came and you banished him because you didn't like what he had to say. That's like very truthful. I think. And so I'm like, you have all of this weighty ideas and I think you have all these cool things that are set up. And then the very end of the movie, a smart writer, I'm sorry to say it like that, <laughs> would have destroyed the house had this magic go away and the people would have learned to form a community and it wouldn't have mattered that they didn't have powers anymore. They would have been happy. But instead, because they're like, oh, man, we want sequels in a TV show someday. Let's all have them get their powers back so they can build this house. But now now it's, you know, back to normal, like back to normal. But now, you know, the grandmother's not going to be as mean. I'm like, I don't buy it for five seconds. I feel like this this house is going to go back to the way it was. And the grandmother's going to go back to the way that she was. 
And then boom, we got Encanto too. <laughs> same, same movie. Exact same movie. It's the exact same movie. Exact same movie. It just re just the cycle of Encanto, the Encanto cycle. Mm-hmm. The equivalent of Encanto's ending is like Meet the Robinsons if he figured out who his mom was before. It's not necessary. Yep. If the whole movie is again is about how he doesn't even know that. Yep. And so if he had figured out what his mom looked like and tracked down his mom, then like what why did we why did we go through all that? Yeah. yeah. And so that is that is my Encanto side tangent rant. Is these movies need to have more weighty sacrifices. I think that's what the movie is. What other sacrifices? There's a lot of new movies that it's like if did you see Toy Story Four? Yeah, I did. I didn't like it. It's like if Woody stayed with Buzz. (laughs) Right. Yeah, it's like if, if Woody was like Yo, so I understand I'm a lot happier in this carnival, and I'm trying to think of myself for once. But you know what? No, Bonnie can uh, he, she can continue to ignore me. Let me go back. Right. <laughs> I'm trying to think. There's been a lot of movies like that, but that's why I like Meet the Robinsons is because also it has that idea. It's like a good, wholesome, sad. Yeah, you don't get to see what his mom looks like, but like you like what you said, that's not needed. Mm-hmm. He doesn't need that to be happy anymore. That's no longer his goal. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Maybe I relate a lot. I don't, I'm like I'm not saying I relate a lot with, um, Lewis or Lewis because I've never, I've always had parents. I never was orphaned, and so I can't relate to that front. But that feeling of having a family, I can relate to. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just a warmth. Yeah. And also, just re- I'm reading through these comments of this YouTube comment section, and a lot of them are people who don't have parents yeah and how this movie was a big help for them because it's just yeah, a big I like the sorry, idea that, sorry no i like the idea that it's an unconventional family as well yeah yeah exactly um i've met a lot of people who have had horrible terror like parent issues i mean i've had my fair share of it but because it's kind of like families can either be the best thing or sometimes they can be really really difficult and this shows the better side of it it also shows the idea of future and how you can better yourself and that there's always a future Mm -hmm. that's i think that's the big thing is it's this i i think in several ways it's also kind of about burnout i think there's this idea that like lewis is so disenfranchised by his situation that he wants to throw in the towel and you know and that's another reason why i'm like trying to like process the timeline of this movie in my head Mm -hmm. and wonder if it kind of works because i feel like in this specific moment he might have just completely given up if it wasn't for the fact that his son came in and and took him you know i there there's this idea of like maybe he would have given up and then this entire future would have been different which makes me go so they had to take him into this timeline and have him do this in order for him to become that robinson so then that robinson can form but then lewis disappeared at one point (laughs) so i have i searched up the meet the robinson's timeline on here okay um i don't think this is credible it's from deviantart (laughs) 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 
Okay, hear me out. Okay, okay. Let's hear this. I'm gonna read this post. Um by uh user I can't even pronounce that. Um <laughs> a few weeks ago I saw Disney's latest film, Meet the Robinsons. Well it wasn't the third coming of Disney animation, it was wasn't <laughs> it was a step in the right direction and ignited hope in me that Disney could once again become good again. <laughs> wow. The film also had time travel going for it, and as a big Back to the Future fan since six, time travel is always. I'm not gonna read this part. Anyways, uh, there's this. I don't know. Let's copy this image and paste it in here. I'm not sure I can. Yeah, this is sad. Um, but basically, it's just like number one, Bowler Hat Guy and Doris steal time machine number two and travel to the present to steal Lewis's invention and pass it off as their own. Okay. Wilbur Robinson follows in time machine number one to stop Bowler Guy, Hat Guy, and Doris. Bowler Hat Guy and Doris. Wilbur takes Lewis to the future. Then Bowler Hat Guy and Doris go to the future to find Lewis. Then Bowler Hat Guy travels into the far past. I don't know why. Oh, with the, with the T Rex. With the dinosaur. Yeah. Bowler Hat Guy returns to the future with T Rex. Bowler Hat Guy and Doris return to the present with Lewis's invention, altering the future. Right. Okay. Then Lewis travels to the present, stops Bowler Hat Guy, and destroys Bo- Doris. Lewis returns in time machine number one to the future along with the Bowler Hat Guy. Time machine number two does not return. Wilbur takes back Lewis. Wilbur takes Lewis back to the present or past for Lewis to see his biological mom, which he didn't. Wilbur returns Lewis to the present. Wilbur returns to the future. <laughs> okay. This timeline doesn't even give a good. But it doesn't give, like, what would happen. Yeah. The idea of the intervention, if oh Wilbur's son did not take Lewis and bring him on this adventure, he would not be who he was because he was able to see who he was. Yeah. So <laughs> that's also this... what doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> this... Oh, no. It's, it's, it's Matt Pat. It's the film theorist, uh, Reddit yeah. page. Meet the Robinsons multiple timeline theory. This is what I have to make a video about. I have to figure this out. (laughs) There is at least five timelines that exist in this franchise. The first timeline has Wilbur Robinson going back in time to get Lewis to fix the memory scanner. But then Wilbur fails. Check the early cutscenes from the Meet the Robinsons. Oh, no, it's talking about the video game. This is getting (laughs) into it. Wait, wait, wait. No, we have to. We Wilbur have to brings perfect. about a massively. So apparently, there's che- there's early cutscenes in the Meet the Robinsons video game where there's multiple times in where he failed in getting the memory scanner. Interesting. According to the video game, <laughs> Wilbur brings about a massively rivalry between the kid who made the functioning model of Mount Vesuvius and the goth girl with the fire ants. Oh, she's the best character. Let's be real. They should have done more. Right, of timeline two: the bowler hat guy. Never grows up to hate Lewis. Lewis is still brought to the future by Wilbur to enact his family plan, as described in the theorizer's most recent. Oh, care whatever. Everything to do with the family takes place in this timeline, omitting Doris and Bullerhead's plans. So there's no point to. That doesn't make sense because there's no point for him to come back. Because. Wait, yeah. If if Goob catches the ball, then he doesn't get tired. Brought back. Therefore, if Goob doesn't catch the ball, then he doesn't turn into the bowler hat guy. Yeah. And 
his time machine or his memory scanner yep. would have worked. And because the Doris is the one, because Doris got onto Fuller Hat Guy. So his invention would have worked, and then Goob would have gone on his own thing. And do you think that Wilbur, or not Wilbur, but uh, Lewis would still be t- like adopted by those same people, his still mom and dad? Even if he didn't hold do the whole adventure thing, I guess so. I guess that's I guess that's the thing. Is maybe in the beginning they were already planning on adopting him. <laughs> I guess so. It's like <clears throat> I don't know, Wait, man. But I know I have another question because it seems kind of towards the end to where his 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 parents his adopted parents also kind of acknowledge that they want to adopt him, but they, they don't know the future. Right. Yeah. yeah. But I guess maybe they think that because he looks into the scanner of his mom and it's them. And then they're like, Oh, we have to adopt this child. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Um, Maybe it was like, a. I don't know. I don't know. So I guess what happened was the invention works if Bowler Hat Guy doesn't break the invention. So then when the invention works and he tells it to go back to see his parents, it shows his adoptive parents and then they see that and then they adopt him and then they buy the house that's the similar one and meet the Robinsons. Therefore, it is a different timeline. It is a different timeline, just different ways to get to, like you know. It's a different yeah, timeline. so maybe it's just it's the same that de- maybe maybe this movie's about predestination. <laughs> I don't even know, man. <laughs> maybe this movie's about predestination. Like, no matter how many timelines you go, maybe you're destined to be in this one specific spot. But the compelling sequel is to see how many things he changed because Goob caught the ball. That's the that compelling sequel to see the different things that happen. And maybe the idea of like, well, maybe there is some reason people are tortured, but that's also like a really dark subject for it to go into, you know? Because it's like, it's that idea of like, would you kill baby Hitler? Yes. And um, it's like, well, if you kill baby Hitler, like what would the society be like now? I don't know. <laughs> you no, know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't kill baby Hitler. I help him get into art school. Hey, there you go. So then he can paint. <laughs> there you go. I'll just help him paint. I'd be like, "Yo, man, we gotta get this done." Yeah, you're like, please. Um, uh, let's let's not be genocidal. Let's let's paint. Let's paint. Let's paint. Here's a weird side tangent about Hitler. Um, <laughs> meet the Robinsons. Gosh, I'm just looking so, at this page. Um, sorry, we're gonna go. Um, Hitler was a was a big movie fan. Fun fact, mm-hmm. big fan of cinema, and his favorite director was Fritz Lang. He directed a movie called Metropolis, which is a movie that is a cautionary tale about building the perfect society. But he did not get that the movie was like a combination of this. He thought it was like an endorsement of this, which means he completely read the movie incorrectly, right? Because Fritz Lang is Jewish, but he loved this movie. He didn't know that Fritz Lang was Jewish. And so Hitler actually invited Fritz Lang to a meeting. And asked him if he could make some propaganda films for him and he would be a Hitler filmmaker, right? And Fritz Lang was like, sure, I'll do this, but I want to see the money first. And Hitler agreed. 
And so Fritz Lang, knowing that Hitler would figure out he was Jewish at any moment, took the money, flew away from Germany, entered the United States, and never entered the Holocaust. <laughs> so he just he swindled he swindled Hitler essentially. What it has to do with Meet the Robinsons, I don't know. I, I know it's a really interesting story. Do you think Hitler would like Meet the Robinsons? No. Unless he thought it was like about a the like he might like the bowler hat guy section. Just tell them they're all German. Gosh. What did this turn into? Well, so this makes a good point. I found this like article that was trying to make a point of why does what does Doris need bowler hat guy for? I uh, guess to like I think Doris needed a a dope. A dope to like to I think essentially because obviously whenever Doris was trying to take over um, Cornelius, it was like he wasn't having anything about it, right? And so Doris preyed off of someone who was emotionally vulnerable to devise this plan. It's, I think that's essentially it. It's the idea of like, it needed someone that it could swindle as well. Doris did. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that'd be it. I think that makes sense, because I mean, like, what Doris found Bowler had guy outside throwing toilet paper and eggs at the Robinson house. It was like, yeah, this fool, let's go, you know. Yep. Also, Jim Carrey. So Jimmy, what about Jim Carrey? Wait, is, is Bowler had guy Jim Carrey or am I crazy? No, it's the it's the director. Oh, it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Steven Anderson. He's the director. Oh, interesting. It sounds like Jim Carrey. Because the way he acts is so long and lanky and randomly. Also, yeah. I found this website trying to claim that Lewis's mother was a teenager. And that's why she had returned the baby. But I have no idea what pr- we have proof at all. <laughs> she had rather... She had a rather conservative father who was not supposed to be seeing any boy at all, let alone sleeping with her boyfriend. <laughs> but she got unlucky, although she managed to hide her pregnancy. This sounds like fan fiction. She nonsense. and her boyfriend knew they had to do something with the baby. Oh my god. Lucille was literally baking cookies in the disco hall. <laughs> One of Cornelius's many inventions is a super modern kitchen connected digitally to a dance floor. People can command robotic implements to grab two cups of flour, a spoon of baking powder, bake for two hours at 200 degrees by doing its various moves, like an extreme version of Dance Dance Revolution. That's pretty epic. Well, this is, there's no proof for this. this is, they could just say this. Uh, meet, meet the Robinsons Revolution. The what movie if is had in the same universe as the Power Rangers. They have a just dance, but it's Meet the Robinsons. It's Dude, just the only song. <laughs> there is more than one Tom Selleck. Okay, I'm done on this website. I'm done. <laughs> There's also a Reddit for just for Meet the Robin. Oh no! Oh no! There's a fanfic between the teacher and the and the husband. Um, Wait, the, what? the puppet. There's a fanfic multiverse theory. Okay, there's a whole bunch of theories. You want to be a Robinson? No. Ooh, I, I gotta look up some Wattpad stuff. Oh gosh. 
swap pad, a body swap. What <laughs> What is it like being gay? I don't know. What's it like looking at like that one kid from Meet the Robinsons? What the heck? <laughs> Let's see. Meet the Robinsons. Swap pad. This is so weird. I don't like this. I don't like this Reddit. I'm leaving. There's a villains wiki for Bowler Hat Guy. You know what's really funny? This is completely off track. So yeah. you ever been on the um the the villains wiki? No, I haven't. So it's like this whole page of different villains from every single franchise across, and it tells you um what crimes they've committed. Okay. So Bowler Hat Guy commits um vandalism, theft, piracy, and indirect endangerment. That's not a lot. <laughs> yeah. But let me tell you, if you look up, um, hold on, um, I feel his name. Uh, I can't find his name. What is his name? There he is. Sorry. Okay, if you look up Chris McLean from uh, Total Drama Island, <laughs> I'm going to read you his list of crimes. Okay. Manslaughter, reckless homicide, <laughs> attempted murders, unlawful human mutations, vandalism, abuse of power, physical and psychological abuse, reckless endangerment, torture, pollution, thericide, animal cruelty, fraud, snuff filming, property damage, slavery, poaching, sabotage, arson, poisoning, hate crimes, corruption, and defamation. Nice. <laughs> the type of villain, sadistic mastermind. <laughs> <laughs> Can you look up a Mort from Madagascar? Is he a... Because isn't Mort like a war criminal? Isn't that like a confirmed thing? not the Mort I was looking for. Um, let's do Mort. Um, I see. Where are his crimes? <laughs> okay, I got him. I know I don't. That's not a vill- it's not Villains Wiki, but I don't know. There's a Madagascar Wiki. He's 50 plus years old. Mort? Yeah. Yeah. Dude, he's he's have you have you watched uh All Hail King Julian? No. He's weird. Mort's weird. Like I he's he's done stuff. Abilities. He's good at playing the organ. Nice. He's talented in money management. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> what does that mean? I he he's just really political good financially. Your known versions of Mort are political Mort. What's political Mort? Oh my gosh, I really want political Mort. Not much is known about political Mort, but it is known that he is one of the versions of Mort who lives inside Mort's head. He his first and only appearance appearance was in All Hail King Julian episode Lord of the Fru- Fruit Flies. That's okay. That checks out. Inside Mort's mind, it is revealed that political Mort had once taken control of Mort and had a d- disastrous result. He had blown up a whole island 
pressing a red button when someone got his pumpkin spice macchiato order wrong. Yep. The, order, the other morks don't like him in charge as he is known to cause problems. After winning the Prime Minister of Mongo's election by turning the public against his opponent, which ended up putting the whole kingdom in danger, he tried to blow up the kingdom by pushing the red button in Mort's head, but was stopped by the other morts. Mort regained control of himself eventually. Nice. Grandpa Mort. Well, Grandpa Mort? Grandpa Mort was a character in All Hail King Julian. He was a criminal thrown in jail by King Julian IV. Upon getting out of jail, he helped Mort get into Carl Kahn to get him be- to become King Julian's arch nemesis to get his revenge on the Julian. I'm, I'm done with this lore. <laughs> I'm really done with it right now. You're, you're, you're done with the Madagascar lore? I'm done with that. You need to watch All Hail King Julian. It's actually a masterpiece. I never finished it, but like I got like a season in. I was I, I thought it was hilarious. It's like actually good. Like this isn't a joke. This isn't a bit. All Hill King Julian was good stuff. I do have um I I want to bring up this proposition, okay? Because yeah. maybe at some point we start this podcast, right? Um <laughs> Pitch and Meet the Robinsons Disney ride or a restaurant or a gift shop or whatever you want. Just pitch something that's Meet the Robinsons in the parks. In the parks? Oh man, this is this is getting yeah. started on disattractions early, huh? Yeah. Um, the thing that comes to mind is like a for I can, I can, I can probably do all three. Um, I don't know. This is just off the top of the head, like right yeah. instantly. Um, what comes to mind is like a trackless ride, but you're going through the Robinson House. You know, it kind of makes sense. There's all these corridors, and there's all the and you meet all the all the family members that are doing crazy things, and they're going insane. Imagine Cat in the Hat, but it's me, the Robinson. I could see that that type of ride. <laughs> oh my gosh! Um, but like, I don't know. Maybe you're in a time machine. Maybe you're in an experiment that Corey, uh, Cornelius made. Maybe you're a test subject, and things go wrong, and all the family members need to help out. I was trying to figure out a ride system. Um. A restaurant, it could be easily. It could just be the pizza guy's place. Like that's easy, but like at the same point, it's a little too easy. Maybe the dinner place would be the family style restaurant, but it's like, I want the meatball cannon to be a thing. Yeah, for sure, that'd be fun. <laughs> that'd be cool. Yeah, meatball cannon, and like it's all the characters are there. Like there's animatronics of all the characters, like Sunny Eclipse, but it's Lefty the octopus. Nice. <laughs> there's a peanut butter cannon that like shoots you in the face. Yep, there you go. It has peanut butter and jelly. Yeah. Um, things like that. It has, I don't know. The gift shop. I don't think harder on that one. Oh. Goob shoulder pal. God. <laughs> he scares you. Stares you down. You know, if like Meet the Robinsons was more successful, why do I feel like that would have been something they tried? A goo shoulder pal. You're right. No, they would have tried that. Or they would have a lefty shoulder pal or a or uh Oh it would be a T it would be the T Rex. Or the frog. That's mm-hmm. what it would be. One of the frogs of the T Rex. I actually want to do a little bit of an experiment right now. I wanna do I I would love a goob shoulder pal. Okay. So I just looked it up. 
and I was wondering how much money this movie actually made in the box office. It's 163 million. That's worldwide. 169 million. It made 97 million domestically. Okay. I want to do inflation to what that is today, real quick, because you know, 15 years ago. Mm. Um. See, 97 million dollars. That's from dollar inflation. So, start year 2007, in year 2022, now $97 million, which is weird to think that the bomb, <laughs> I want $97 million, but you know, it works. Okay, calculate. Okay, that's about $138 million today. Okay. I have I have I have I have a point to make here. Let's see. Let's look at this year domestic. Oh I'm reading this. I'm like I'm looking at Oh my gosh, there wasn't actually a Meet the Robinsons meet and greet with Wilbur and Lewis. Oh yo. That's kind of yeah. creepy, not gonna lie. I'd be scared. Yeah. Yeah, the because they're they're like skin suit ones, right? They're like kinda the yeah, they are. Um, yeah, they're, just, they're like um, what's his name from Coco, Miguel, Miguel. like that. Yeah, they did the same thing with Aang, but the Aang one is terrible from Avatar: The Last Airbender. I, God, I that hate that one. Hotel. I hate that. Yeah, <laughs> the Jimmy Neutron one. <laughs> okay, so Lightyear made a hundred and eighteen million dollars. So did better than Lightyear then. It did better than Lightyear. Are the standards? Yep. Yeah, it made more money than Lightyear for adjusted for inflation. There you go. Even though worldwide, Lightyear did 226. Pruh. So that's not bad. Literally, it did better just... worldwide, but domestically, yes. There's this really old Twitter post. I mean, old, old. That said... This is confirmed that the Carousel of Progress will be replaced with Meet the Robinsons <laughs> before it got switched into Launch Bay. <laughs> when was that posted? Let me, let me see this and visit this Twitter post. Twenty eleven. Twenty eleven. That's that's enough time for them to know that was not going to happen. They just said <laughs> that. I think that was, I thought this is a meme or this is straight up like someone was just wrong. Yeah, someone was just like, "Look, guys, I know." <laughs> See, because like I don't know, it opened up to twenty five million dollars. Is that was that number one? It's opening weekend. Let me look. Yeah, it it. It scored opening week. No, no, I don't think it ever. It never hit number one because Blades of Glory was number one. The Will Ferrell ice skating movie. That's kind of sad. Meanwhile, <laughs> my screen real quick. Look at this. Um, can you see it? Uh. I got it. This is the one idea 
of the actually looks this looks like it was supposed to be in like the the Nemo section of Disneyland. Yeah. Is that actual like production art? Or... I don't know. It looks cool. Oh, well... This is not the link I was thinking it was going to be. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, where's the Robinsons? The Robinson. What? Is, where's the phone? Fo- there it is. I don't know. This is found concept art. Where's your source, sir? Has the freaking Dreamfinder is. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> wait, but this is fascinating. This is from 2011, 2012. This is like. They thought it was a viable enough product to make it a ride. I don't know. Oh, this is some concept art of some sort. And this looks like concept art. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, I'm I'm always rooting for a Luca ride to happen. 2012. That's when I was 2012. Maybe this will sound sacrilegious, okay? Okay. Hear me out on this, all right? What if, in order for Disney to bring back relevancy to meet the Robinsons, they made it a live-action remake, okay? Oh, God, no. Okay? No. Who's, who's, who's going to play? Um, is Tom Selleck going to play the dad? Yeah, he should. <laughs> Jim Carrey's going to play Bowler Hat Man? Bowler yeah, guy? he just does his Eggman performance God. from Sonic, but in live-action. But, oh, but no. This has been my overall pitch for Disney, I think, when it comes to their live action remakes, which they'll never follow through with. Okay. Oh, yeah. But I think they should take some of their more underperforming movies and more obscure movies and re envision them and make them more viable products. Like, I think a live action Treasure Planet totally works, totally checks out. Money in the bank, go ahead and do it. All right. I think live action Atlantis even works if you have the right team and the right people behind it. So what I'm saying is the only thing about meet the Robinsons is it is so wacky and cartoony that it would be hard to translate that to live action. We don't want a last airbender situation. I don't even want to talk about that right now, but (laughs) those are some some fighting words. Um, but (laughs) the last airbender live action. I I don't know. I think maybe if they said like, or maybe even like a Disney Plus series that was like Meet the Robinsons, um, and it was maybe a reimagining, and they each episode was like him discovering a different part of today land. I don't know. I just think I'm not sure I'd want that. I don't know. I kinda like it where it is. Yeah. I kind of like how it doesn't. It kind of just does, did its thing. One of my favorite, like always, my favorite movies are the ones that kind of just does its thing and it never continues. It just says what it has to say, and then they go on to new things. Yeah. Um. Not I only me. say it, I only say because I know that Disney loves to make use of their intellectual properties. You know. So so does every company. They make sequels out the wazoo. Every company mm-hmm. does. It's because it's easy money. Um. But I think it's an interesting premise to take an IP that never took off and actually reimagine it. I think that would be interesting. Yeah. 
What's so funny is I should have picked it up. There was a copy of the Meet the Robinsons video game for the PS2 at my local Goodwill for $3. I didn't buy it for some reason. And now I checked today. Okay. It's gone. Someone bought that. <laughs> Someone was like, I want this and took it. And I was like, no, wait. So. <laughs> oh, well. I was like, I wasn't, I don't have a PS2. I can't play it. But I, I'd, if I ever got one, I would play it. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> I was like, oh, my gosh. So about like, I would say maybe three days after I was back from Florida, I was hanging out with my friend Ben, past guest of this podcast. Um, and this like retro game slash comic slash toy store had just like opened up. We're like, I wonder what this is. So we walked in and what was really funny is my friend, like while I was in Florida, kept messaging me about Pokemon Stadium. Oh gosh! <laughs> and how he was like, "It's a game, and you watch TV with Pikachu." And he goes, "And I have to get it, so when we come back, we can watch TV with Pikachu." And I'm like, "Okay." And he kept trying to find it. He's like, "I can't find this game, but I want to watch TV with Pikachu." And we went into this random local game store, and we looked under the glass, and the one game they actually had for GameCube was Pokemon Stadium. <laughs> And we were like, what? It was the only GameCube game they had. <laughs> we were like, uh, and it was like $60. So we, we got Was it. it Pokemon Stadium? What? Was it for the GameCube? No, Pokemon. Did I say Stadium? Yeah. I meant Channel. That's what I thought. I meant Pokemon Channel. I was like, Pokemon Stadium? I was like, what? I was like, that's like, that's like my realm you're delving into it. I was like, no, not yeah, Pokemon, Pokemon Stadium. Channel. No, Pokemon it's only channel. Pokemon Channel. I love Pokemon Channel. I was like, that it, sounds it like Pokemon Channel, but Hey You Pikachu, also for the N64, uh, also had that. <laughs> and it sucked. Hey You Pikachu, is, it literally sells for five bucks. <laughs> you basically, all you do is tell Pikachu what to do, but the audio is just so bad that it does not understand what you're saying. Because there's like a microphone attachment for the N64, and you use it, and it sucks so horribly. You say, go over there, Pikachu, and it will just not listen. Because <laughs> it does not know what you're saying. And so you're like move to the left and you'd be like staying there and he'd like electrocute you for no reason and it's like okay <laughs> do you remember like those little mics that were there for the gamecube for a while and how you had like yes. blown into them for video games some of the green uh, the, the small gray ones yeah about this big i had one for mario party 7 um, yeah i don't have it anymore but they're really cheap at my local game store they're like five bucks to get a microphone um you plug it into one of the um because yeah, then you have to like blow into it on mario party 7 for a mini game is that yeah right? there's a lot of you have to blow into it yeah it's like blowing yeah. a balloon you blow into it um, <laughs> that was the, annoying i'm not gonna it lie. was annoying and then you had to like well, you can play the game without it i i have mario party 7 i have two copies of it for some reason i don't i don't know why but i have it and i play it you can play it without it which is nice um yeah, i was hoping I, you wouldn't have to i own every mario party game Except for like the bad ones that were coming out. Um, you I own think every I, single uh, one, really. I have every single one. Um, until eight. So you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yep, and eight. Oh wow. Um, I don't. Ha- well, I used to have Mario Party between, One. I don't have it no more. Between me and then my sister and my brother-in-law. Oh, okay. We were collecting them all, so I think the N64 ones are probably my brother-in-law because he has an N64. So kind of I take a flight to South Carolina, then I can play. <laughs> no, but the, the, the N64 
Mario Party's are the best one. I'm gonna get into a side tangent if you <laughs> just video games in general. I will go off. Yeah. Um, tomorrow's a big day for video games because um, the Nintendo Direct's coming out, and also a PlayStation State of Play is coming out. And that's a big one too. So, yeah. did I tell you? This is completely side tangent that I'll probably cut out real quick, just because. Did I tell you that my sister's going to Disney World like next week? No. I'm like, how many times this year? <laughs> it's for work, though. Of course. Yeah, but I was like, that is wild. <laughs> She's like, I mean, you've still spent more time here. I'm like, I guess technically, but like still. <laughs> so at my local game store, they have a website, and I was trying to find Muppet Party Cruise. Yeah. It does not, they don't have any copies. But they do have a copy of Muppets from Space oh, no. available for ninety nine cents. <laughs> nice. Okay, but Muppet Party Cruise is like cheap here. It's at my local game store right now. I'm trying to. Um, but I kind of want to buy it, or you know, I want to buy it. I kind of want to buy it. Muppet Party Cruise? Yeah. Low key, if I see it for cheap, I will buy it. And the next time I see you, I will hand it to you. <laughs> so you can experience art because it's the greatest game ever made by anyone. Um, on, on Amazon, there's there's a couple for uh, $25.99. Really? Twenty five ninety nine. I'm surprised. Four ninety nine at my game store. It's literally Amazon Prime. I'm surprised it's Prime. <laughs> you get it in two day shipping. Yeah, literally, I can get it on Thursday. Oh, so um, <laughs> I bought some headphone jacks to connect to my um for like my mic. I can't speak right now. Oh uh, yeah, I bought I bought some like headphone jacks so I can connect it to my um power to make this so I can hear what I'm saying so I won't have to guess you know, um there's terms for that I apologize like okay. anyways so I bought them and then two days ago got a message from my parcel pending that they arrived at Flamingo Crossing. <laughs> And I went, uh-oh. So now every morning I get a message just like, they're still here. Here's your daily reminder. So I'm like, welp. <laughs> That's fun. It's so I think I'm just going to message someone and be like, can you pick these up for me? Because they're going to st- not <laughs> stop messaging me until they're gone. Oh, it's going to be here for like three or four days, I'm sure. I miss living in a flamingo, but I don't. <laughs> I'm missing yeah. Florida. I just don't miss flamingo. Yeah, I'm back and forth. I don't like. I miss being in the area, but like, it's really also nice to not have roommates. It's nice to not have roommates. It's also nice to not be in the constant heat, twenty four seven, like that heat. It's kind of it's kind of that heat right now in Missouri. It didn't change. Yeah, much. it's it's got. I mean, right now it it just got past like a couple fire hazard things right now so it was, the sky was very smoky recently yeah i heard about that um it was all coming from california and it goes north it yeah it goes north and so it, we get the smell and so it was really smoky outside it turns into like silent hill it gets scary and then like you smell burning um, <laughs> yeah um my sister and my brother-in-law you know they're in disneyland mm-hmm. um it was like 109 yep. when they were there they were like oh this is a uh, intense yep. 
I'm going in a 21 days now, 20 days. Hey. I'm excited, and I'm going to go to Avengers Campus. I'm excited for that. Yeah, and see a mediocre Spider-Man ride. Heck Literally, yeah. that's the only reason. Like, that's the only thing I'm doing. That maybe eat at Pims, but that's it. <laughs> for Pims is cool though. I've heard it's yeah, like... I'm not a big Marvel person, but like, I'm down with it. Yeah, I um, let's see. When when is 21 days? Wait, is that like October 1st? Is that right? When is what? When are you heading down there? Oh, when, when October 3rd. October 3rd. October 3rd through the 8th. Yeah, I am. I'm in that stress situation right now because I have like absolutely no money because um jo- job complications. Right. Um, but I'm planning on going to New York like October sixth. Right. Okay. But um, flights right now are like two hundred thirty four dollars. They so that's are. They're expensive. Back. So that's two hundred thirty four dollars for a flight is not bad. So. Okay. Now we have to, um, Brett. I think we have to make a um a random. Another podcast, another set one where we just review really, really crappy, like, um, titled uh, video games that are like based off random movies. Yeah, <laughs> that are horrible. I found this Ratatouille cooking game on the DS. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I got a forty-eight percent on Metacritic. Oh, that's pretty good. Gosh, we need to start doing this stuff, bro. It looks so bad. Oh wait. Looks so happy. Look at Remy. He's so happy. The game follows shortly after the events of the movie with with Gusto's permanently closed from health violations. Remy is now the head of chef, head chef at La Ratatouille Bistro. He must lead his team of humans and rats alike to clean around the kitchen, prepare his finest cuisine for his patrons. I can't wait to watch an analysis video of that after I watch another analysis of Moral Oral pop up. Oh, sh- oh my! Oh my <laughs> I have H- my, my dad bought HBO Max now. Um, and Moral Oral's on there, <laughs> and I was like, I don't really want to watch this. Um, but, but do you know how? Like, my question is like, because I remember watching a video essay about that, being like, "This sounds interesting. I'll have to watch it sometime." Right. And now, like, it's all I get on my recommendations. There's no more <laughs> oral. Weird. Yeah, I get, like, like weird, like, video essays about, like, obscure topics, like a Ratatouille video game. Like, that would show up in my recommendations. And then a video essay on moral oral. <laughs> like, my, how many exist? My literal, it's, like, entire like, YouTube panels analyzing the show. My, my, I have such random, like, like, recommended. It's all over the place. There's, like, Right here, I got some uh, some Undertale music. I got some. I was attacked on the streets. Um, oh. t- spending twenty four hours in Super Mario in VR Super Mario sixty four, and then last witness to President Abraham's uh, witness to his Lincoln's assassination. Um, <laughs> I'm all of it. And then Peter Griffin what? Maroon Five. What? What? <laughs> <laughs> what? Have you not heard the, 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 the meme, Peter Griffin, Maroon 5? No. It's like an impression of Peter Griffin. It's like, here's to the ones that we got. Here's to the ones that we got. <laughs> Have you heard the one where Phineas sings, uh, Phineas or Phineas and Ferb sings um, Green Day songs? I did see that, like, yeah. Watch this yeah. YouTube link. It's freaking hilarious. Here's, uh, here's my recommendations right now. 
the immoral world of moral oral. <laughs> um, Kevin from Ben 10 being the absolute Chad for four minutes. I don't know why. <laughs> um, my Bloody Valentine Loveless album review. Okay, that makes sense. How Lightyear fails in the first 20 minutes. Redditor cheats on wife in VR with sister. Dude, I want to watch that. Uh, <laughs> how to lose all your friends in life. <laughs> uh, the controversial history of the director, Little Boo. <laughs> I don't know. Former Trump lawyer says he's going down. <laughs> Moral Oral episode 20 season 2. Yeah, this is... <laughs> I don't know why. It always recommends me Moral Oral now, but it does. I'm going to send you a whole bunch of links to watch because this stuff is funny. So the first one is the um, Family Guy um, Maroon 5. And then this one is... Uh, it's it's like a... It's like a... Guitar Hero mod, where it's John Wick, Yellow Among Us, Drip, Walter White, and Saul Goodman perform Living on a Prayer. <laughs> what? This is what I was talking about when he had ideas for Theme Park. Just their most random IPs just coming yeah. together on stage to do random songs. Still <laughs> in Columbia, Mexico, Bad Guy Land. Bad Guy Land, straight up. John Wick's on. Oh man, Saul Goodman's on drums. Walter White's on uh, bass. <laughs> Walter White. Dude, dude, dude Among Us Drip is on a uh, is on main guitar, and John Wick's on vocals. <laughs> <laughs> I freaking love these things, bro. <laughs> I love absurdity. Yes, which is why you love Meet the Robinsons. That's this is why I love Meet the Robinsons. <laughs> it's so stupid. That, um, I love things that are so stupid. Why do they exist? That, that's a, that's a, that's a good um transitional period. Yeah, it's back to Meet the Robinsons. Track. I mean, I mean, I don't know what else there's much to discuss about Meet the Robinsons. It's yeah. So, do you want to do some final thoughts on Meet the Robinsons? Final thoughts. Okay. Yeah. Um, if you haven't watched it, definitely watch it. <laughs> um, it's uh, it's definitely worth a watch. Um, it does look dated a bit. Um, I guess the final thoughts, I guess, is that it's. It's an underrated, dated um, family film, American family film, futuristic film that basically discusses the meaning of what family is and what the future is and failure and what that means and what how and what it doesn't mean, what it means and what it doesn't mean. Because um, at the end, failure, failure is just another step to success. I think that's just kind of like its main point is trying to drive home is no matter how many times you fail, it always is a step towards success. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. That's like one of my favorite parts of this movie. I think that um, meet the Robinsons is kind of about, and it's this nice warm hug of a movie. That's like, Hey, you're going to be okay. Cause you're in the, you're where you're at right now for a reason. You know, I think specifically since I've gone back to Missouri, things haven't gone a hundred percent for me. And so it was, it was kind of a nice reminder of like, Hey, this is setting up your narrative. No worries. Like you'll be okay. Which I think is nice. I, and I think it's a distinctly Disney movie in that regard. I think it's very thematically 
tied into innovation in the future and imagination and family and all of that. And I think it's, it's a nice piece and relic of Disney's past. You know, it's an experiment that didn't really work for them, but it means a lot to a lot of people, which I think is super cool. And so I would definitely check it out. And Kevin, so do you want to plug yourself in any way? Plug is myself? There... I don't yeah. have anything to plug. Okay. Um, I don't have anything really. Uh, my Instagram's private. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Uh, if you want to follow my YouTube channel that has no videos uploaded, <laughs> feel free at Hydra. That's literally it. Search right. it up. That's literally my channel. It's 13 subscribers strong. I don't even know who they even, why are they subscribing to me? I don't know. I have no content. But go I'm ahead if you want. I subscribe to you. Oh. <laughs> Actually, I do have something to plug. Um, go subscribe to Jimmy Neutron Best Moments, yeah. um, please. Um, we can do a whole different episode about that beast. We can do a whole analysis based off that. But just go subscribe to Jimmy Neutron, Jimmy Neutron Best Moments. Uh, Jimmy Neutron channel. Best Moments. Let's go. Yep. So it's, it's, you're you're going to have to go to the channel section, but it's the first one up there. It has 18 subscribers growing strong. So. Yeah. Um, we're going to get they're going to get to 20 soon. Yep. It's one of, yeah. it's one of my friends' channels. It's yeah it's great so this has been a t actually okay so i have to fix the outro of this okay this is what used to be considered a toy box podcast all right mm -hmm. so we have rebranded our entire page based off of this podcast workshop of humanity so now this is a workshop of humanity podcast called workshop of humanity that's a little sweaty but we'll work with it <laughs> but Right now, the website is still at toyboxes.com. That's still the domain, but it, the website will look different right now. I'm just letting you know. Toyboxd.com will take you to the Workshopping Humanity website. You can follow us on Instagram at Workshopping Humanity, exactly spelled the way that you know the title of this YouTube video is spelled. Um, if you're at our YouTube channel, you know, subscribe to that. Um, we're trying to hit 100 subscribers. <laughs> It'll like almost get there. And then some people will leave, and then it'll almost get there. I'm like, yeah, keep, keep moving awesome. forward, Brett. That's right. That's the whole point of this. <laughs> moving forward. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know what's so funny is that it'd be, it's, it's it's not wrong because I, I have a friend um, who does YouTube, um, and I remember when he was just at 100 subscribers, almost made 100 subscribers, and he was trying so hard. And now it's been a, a couple years, and now he's at 800,000. Yeah. Whoa. So it's that's... he's almost at a million now. Um, he's right. getting close. Um, but just keep moving forward. You'll get places if you just keep on trying and keep putting in effort. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. You know that we 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 tied that in well. Look at that. Look at that. Um, you can follow my personal skipper underscore Scott. It used to be a lot more active than it is right now because I'm not doing anything with my life. So. Um. <laughs> oh my gosh. This means more more podcasts. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You know, so there you go. And I'll talk to you guys later.